Sorry. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. There are three major stories circulating the news today and for the past several days. And today on Viewpoint... We're going to briefly deal with these three primary issues, but ultimately we're going to focus on the one that has the greater import, not only for America, but for Israel and the world. So I welcome you aboard. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. We appreciate so much those of you who are listening. We have uh, new listeners that are indicating how much they're appreciating the program we value every one of your communications, whether it's via email, via telephone, uh, snail mail. We value all of your communications. One of the things that particularly stands out is the continual comment how much people's lives are changing as a result of listening to Viewpoint. <clears throat> Perhaps uh, the person years ago who wrote you cannot listen to Viewpoint long and not be changed, was accurate. And we're grateful for that because that's the reason we're on the air. We're not on the air to make money. We're not on the air to fill up uh, some sort of time frame somewhere. We're not on the air to try to gain accolades, glory, or any other kind of normal things that people are looking for. We're on the air for one purpose, and that is to fulfill God's calling to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour, to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom here in the United States of America as the, shall we say, the former base for fulfilling the uh, Great Commission in uh, the ultimate panoply of God's purposes here on this planet. As we launch into the deep here, the first item that we'll deal with is the buying of votes. The buying of votes. This headline, Biden canceling student loan debt up to $20,000. You've all heard about this. This is nothing new. We're bringing it up for one reason. And that reason is that there's no reason to do this. There's no reason to do this In fact, it actually mitigates everything that America stands for. Responsibility, personal responsibility, building things from the ground up and so on without other people's help. But in this instance, it's about something different. It's about utilizing your money to buy votes with another constituency. It's very simply put. You could actually call it money laundering, government style. This is a very serious thing because it erodes whatever trust we might have in our government. And the issue today on our program is trust. Who can you trust? 
Is there anyone we can trust anymore? We're going to find out in these three particular items that are hot in the news today that, in fact, we can't trust. And that's a serious thing. Because if you can't trust, then everybody does that which is right in their own eyes, and chaos is brewed not only in the society in America, but all over the world. So here we have a sitting president who on his own motion, with the signature, his own signature purports to give away, now it is announced up to a trillion dollars, ultimate cost to the American people by canceling loans, student loans. Why would he do this? There's only one reason. Only one reason, and two months before the midterm elections, again, reinforcing only one reason. And that is to somehow try to buy back enough votes from a certain constituency in the United States of America (coughs) in order to somehow win some of the elections that otherwise, the House seats, the Senate seats, and so on, that otherwise would be lost to the Democrat Party. How does this work? Well, here's how it works. The Democrat Party has deep financial ties to colleges, universities, and higher education industry that predate President Biden's $300 billion student loan handout. By the way, it's much more than $300 billion. The ultimate cost we're now told could be as high as a trillion dollars. The higher education industry funneled tens of millions of dollars into campaign coffers and other Democrats during the 2020 election cycle. Notice a lot of this today goes back to the 2020 election cycle. Biden received more than $64 million from individuals in higher education during his 2020 presidential campaign. While the Democrats as a whole raked in at least 70% of all political donations from the higher education industry since 2002. In other words, this is a big cash cow for Democrats. But what do they do? Well, the president announced Wednesday that he would cancel $10,000 of federal student loan debt for certain borrowers and up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. In 2020, the top 20 recipients of political donations from higher education were all Democrats. Biden's $64 million placed him at the top of the list. (coughs) So what is this telling us? By the way, pardon the coughing. I am still attempting to deal with the aftermath of covid And I know that it's unpleasant. Uh, We don't have a cough button here. And uh, the choice that I have is either to stay off the air or to press on. And I've chosen to press on. So I hope that you will press on with us as uh, we continue to try to respond and do what God has called us to do uh, amid all of the circumstances around us, including COVID. So here we have the situation where essentially the President of the United States is seeking to bribe hundreds of thousands of voters, perhaps millions, that otherwise he could not get. 
And to do it two months before the midterms, is this not a form of money laundering? So here's how it works. The higher education gives donations to the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party, in turn, funnels the money back to the higher education institutions in spades. Then, in turn, the money comes back with more donations in order to keep the bribery going. It's like a form of money laundering, isn't it? Under color of law. Does that induce trust in you, in our system? I wonder. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's morals slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Can you trust? That's the theme here of our program here today. (coughs) And trust is a huge issue. The Bible encourages us to continue to trust in the Lord with all our heart, to lean not unto our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. But it's becoming increasingly difficult for people to trust anybody, including God. Why is that? Because as people's trust in human beings made in the image of God wanes, so, unfortunately, their trust in God also wanes. You see, there's a connectivity here, and we need to understand that connectivity. Trust is a very big deal. In fact, it's the ultimate deal from God's viewpoint. Because if you don't trust him, you won't do his will. You won't obey his voice. That's what kept Israel from the promised land for a very long period of time. In fact, the majority of those who came out of Egypt. That's what took them to Babylon. That's what took them uh, captive, the ten northern tribes of Israel, through the Assyrian conquest. (coughs) Because they didn't trust God and revealed in the fact that they refused to obey him. So here's a, a rhetorical question just as we get ready to launch into the second major issue that is before us in the news today. Do you truly trust God? Now, don't answer too quickly. Don't give a knee-jerk reaction. Because God is looking at the indicia of whether you trust him. He's not looking at the words. He's looking at the actions, the behavior, the attitudes, and so on. Do we really trust him? You see, going into the promised land, on the way to the promised land, God instructed Moses to send forth 12 representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel into the promised land to spy it out, to come back with a report assessing what it was like. 
So God had already said, I give you the land. He didn't say, I'm thinking about it. He said, I give you the land. Past tense, present tense. And so these 12 leaders of Israel went into the promised land, Canaan, and they came back after 40 days. Notice the number 40. 40 is the number of testing in the Bible. <coughs> Jesus was tested 40 days in the wilderness. Uh, Moses was 40 days in the mount, uh, and so on. 40 years, 40 days, 40 the number of testing. So, we find these 10, or excuse me, these 12 spies coming back from their 40 days of reviewing the entire land of Canaan. And they came back and said, yes, it's like what God said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, which is a phrase to say it's a good land. But then there was a big but. And here's where our lives collide with truth. The word but. Another word in the Bible that's used for that word is nevertheless. In other words, we tend to have big spiritual buts. And so 10 of the 12 spies came back with what God called an evil report. Now, what made their report evil? Their report was made evil because they refused to agree with what God said about the land and about their ability to go in and take it. They said, yes, indeed, it is just like God said it is, but we're not able to go in and take it because. So they had their own viewpoint that they superimposed over God's viewpoint. You see, viewpoint does determine destiny. When we elevate our own viewpoint over what God has said, we are in, we're in deep trouble. <clears throat> and so, eight, excuse me, 10 of the 12 spies came back and said, we're not able to go in because there be giants in the land. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes, so we are in our own eyes, and we just can't do it. <clears throat> but there were two, Joshua and Caleb, who gave a different report. They said, yes, indeed, there are giants in the land. Yes, indeed, it is as God said it was. Yes, indeed, there are problems to be overcome, but God said he gave us the land, and so we will take it. They brought the report of faith. They brought the report of trusting God. The other reports were called evil you know what evil is in the eyes of God? That which disagrees with his word, his will, and his ways. That's evil. Anything that disagrees with God's word, his will, or his ways on any point is evil. That's how God sees it. We may not see it that way, but that's how God sees it. Pretty black and white. Now, the issue is trust. So as we shift now into this next story, this is a very big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal that it has been made international instantly. This report comes from Israel National News. Today, Zuckerberg, 
FBI told Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden story. This is coming from international, uh, Israel National News today. Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg, you know the one who gave $400 million to try to swing the 2020 election? The same guy appeared on the Joe Rogan show and told his host that the FBI was behind Facebook's decision to censor stories pertaining to the Hunter Biden laptop. <clears throat> now, what does the FBI have to do with this? Nothing. Or shouldn't have anything to do with it. It's either true or it's not true. So what does the FBI have to do with it? According to Tucker Carlson, the FBI was in possession of Hunter's laptop in 2000, since 2019 and was aware of the damaging information regarding President Biden's connections with his elder son's shady business dealings with Chinese and Ukrainian companies, but failed to disclose the story to the American people prior to the 2020 presidential race while simultaneously pressuring social media outlets like Facebook and Twitter to censor the story. The FBI did that? Yes. This is a story revealing, friends, again, once again, that the FBI wants the most trusted law enforcement agency in the country and perhaps in the world has completely abandoned any trust that the American people should place in it. No trust. Don't deserve it. No trust. Carlson accuses the FBI of essentially interfering in the presidential elections and points out that the U.S. government used disinformation to encourage censorship for partisan ends, something the government is not allowed to do. A prominent lawyer urged a major disbanding or reorganization of the FBI, claiming she doesn't believe anything they say. And she's right. Who would? Who would after they, in the Governor Whitmer case, they attempted to frame men to set them up purposely so as to somehow get a conviction to make it look like everybody was after Governor Whitmer? (coughs) Friends, this is dangerous stuff. This is stuff that goes beyond mere, simple trust. It goes to the very foundations of our nation, our institutions. And when you have to go to this level, when law enforcement, the highest law enforcement agency in the land, stoops to this kind of skulldudgery, we're in deep trouble. Very deep trouble. This is corruption at the highest levels. 
This is a conspiracy, you might say, between Mark Zuckerberg and the FBI to manipulate an election. And it wasn't just, apparently not just uh, Facebook. Apparently it was Twitter as well. And who knows how many others. This came from Israel National News. But how about this? This came from Russia today. Now, I want you to see the impact that our FBI and our law enforcement and our so-called judicial system has made in Russia. If we ever had the hope of any trustworthiness with a nation called Russia, This destroyed it all. Russia responds to Zuckerberg's FBI revelations. The country's foreign ministry has claimed that Facebook CEO has effectively confirmed the feds secretly control major U.S. social media. Are you listening? The FBI and other U.S. security agencies secretly control American social media giants, Russia's foreign ministry press director has alleged today. The high-level official cited a recent interview by Mark Zuckerberg in which the Facebook CEO supposedly acknowledged such influence. Spokesperson Maria Zakharov published a post devoted to Zuckerberg's recent appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. Facebook's first-in-command recounted how FBI operatives had visited him ahead of the 2020 U.S. presidential elections, which ended in victory for Joe Biden, asking him to suppress stories revolving around the unseemly contents of Hunter Biden's laptop on his platforms. The men in black convinced Mark Zuckerberg that these were all Russian fakes, said Zakharov, which was absolutely not true. So not only did the FBI get involved in manipulating the election through social media giants, but also deceived in the process declaring that which was true to be untrue. In other words, their representations could not be trusted. Can their representations be trusted with regard to the Mar-a-Lago raid? I don't think so. They can't be trusted at all. We go back. We go back to Jim Comey and all of his nonsense as head of the FBI. We go back to a whole slew of these former leaders of the FBI, some who lost their jobs, were fired because of their dishonesty. This is not a game, friends. This is the gross corruption of the United States of America and its institutions. 
at the highest level. Then, in addition to that, you have the choreography between the FBI and the so-called Department of Justice, which has become the Department of Injustice, because it layers two tiers of justice, one for political friends and one for those you don't like so much. Where is our ability to trust? Going back to the report from Russia, the leader went on that this kind of excuse for censorship was sufficient to have made Facebook CEO comply with the request. The subsequent suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story helped pronounce Biden senior as the winner in the election, making many Americans still unconvinced that Biden won. I wasn't won. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Is the FBI engaged in an insurrection against truth? Against the trust of the American people? You see, you can use that word however you want to use it. And when you're there to destroy something, with intent to destroy something that is at the very foundation of this country, of its government. Are you not in danger of some sort of insurrection? There's something very serious going on here. The Russian diplomat went on to argue that with the laptop story turning out to be true, and with Zuckerberg's revelations to Rogan, quote, the world has learned that the U.S. social media played a decisive role in this performance, unquote. <clears throat> in other words, in the election. She added that the suspension of then-President Trump's accounts by the main social media platforms just goes to show that the U.S. authorities, i.e. the FBI, the CIA, other authorities, collude with Internet monopolies. Zakharova concluded that all this proves that the FBI and other American security services manually control digital giants with social media platforms leadership only too happy to participate 
in dirty political games in Washington. Can you see why we brought these three stories together today? They are all assaults on trust. Biden's promise of a now almost $1 trillion buyout for Americans' votes by offering tuition forgiveness of $10,000 up to $20,000 apiece. It's blatant political bribery. It's taking your money as an American citizen where you trusted your government. You trusted your government to deal with the taxes that you pay to accomplish and do the things that the government is ordained to do according to the Constitution, and now they have raped those monies with intent to use them for unconstitutional purposes in order to buy votes. It's blatant. And now we move to the international scene. The Jerusalem Post announced today that France's President Macron declared that the ball was in Iran's court to revive a nuclear deal with world powers and that the offer on the table, even if it would not resolve all differences, was better than no offer at all. I'm not sure how they get to that conclusion, but it's a political uh, conclusion. It has nothing to do with reality. It's all about the way things look to people. Well, we did something. We did what we could do. That's basically what they're saying. Iran received Washington's response to an EU-drafted final offer for salvaging the uh, 2015 deal that Obama entered into. Uh, The foreign ministry in Tehran said uh, on Wednesday, giving no firm indication of how close remaining gaps were to be narrowed. Macron held talks yesterday with Rafael Grossi, head of the UN Atomic Watchdog, the International Atomic Energy Agency, whose organization inspects Iran's nuclear program and investigates its possible past activities. The problem is that the I. AEA has been prevented from doing the very thing that they were required to do. And Iran removed the cameras from the areas that needed the most inspection and refused to allow their inspectors to go there. So much for the trust that you could put in the International Atomic Energy Agency and its inspections. Macron said, we have been very careful to ensure the balance of a serious accord has been met. And the ball is now in Iran's court. Now, what is a serious accord? (coughs) When it involves the nuclear capability of a nation that has declared Israel the little Satan, America the great Satan, and both of them in the crosshairs, of Iran's ultimate intent 
for the use of nuclear power. What does it mean we're ensuring the balance of a serious accord? Come on. It's a pretense. Macron said the deal would not resolve everything and that more engagement with Tehran was needed to discuss its ballistic missile program, regional influence, and multiple acts of destabilization. Well, friends, that's the whole deal right there. Their ballistic missile program, which is necessary to deliver the nuclear power, their regional influence, and their multiple acts of destabilization, in other words, all over the world, to bring chaos to the world. That's who they are. That's their intent. That's how they intend to introduce their Islamic Messiah, the Mahdi. They've stated so much. Openly, they have to create chaos in the world in order for the Mahdi, the 12th Imam, to be ready to return and bring about Islamic salvation, in other words, governance, to the world. But Macron said we're, we're careful to ensure the balance of a serious accord. So let's talk about what that looks like. Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz yesterday concluded a visit to CENTCOM in Florida. As part of the visit, the parties discussed operational cooperation, both defensive and offensive in nature, in the face of a variety of threats with a primary focus on Iranian aggression. Minister Gantz thanked General Carilla for the strategic cooperation between Israel and CENTCOM, which is critical, he said, to the security of the world, the region, and Israel. We are all aware of the need to prevent Iran from gaining a nuclear umbrella for its aggressive actions. All right, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do anything about it. And the kind of agreement that they're proposing to enter into, almost everybody that observes has said it is worse than the agreement that Obama entered into in 2015 to try to gain international accolades for his wonderful work to the children's of, children of men as his final dance out of office and giving, what was it, $150 billion of American cash to the mullahs. What does it mean we must ensure Iran never gains a nuclear umbrella? How does Israel actually feel about that? And, here it comes, can the U.S. be trusted in anything it says about this issue? I mean, if you can't trust the FBI... And you can't trust what the president tells you because he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. If you can't trust what any of these people are telling you, if you can't trust what the Congress means when it says that we're going to give you a bill to uh, defeat inflation, and in fact the purpose of the bill is to increase inflation, then who can you trust? 
What are we supposed to do as normal citizens, as Christian citizens? How must we react? Are we going to become cynical? Or are we going to realize once and for all, it is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men, even American men? It's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes and powers and potentates and priests and pastors and, yes, even popes and certainly politicians. You see, the issue is always trust. Always. That will be the final issue when it comes time to look at the counterfeit Christ in the face and watch his deception and how he with sleight of hand will deceive the majority of people on this planet, including professing Christians. People do not have their trust fixed. They just don't. Professing Christians do not have their trust fixed. And it's going to, push is going to come to shove. I urge you to get a copy of my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It will reveal to you so many aspects concerning this individual that the prophet Daniel said will gain dominion by flattery. And he's just going to tell people what they want to hear. He's going to be like the politicians today or many pastors telling the people what they want to hear to indulge their sensibilities, make them feel better for the moment until the boom comes down behind them and there's no retreat. The book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. On our website, saveus.org, $22. I urge you to get a copy of it and... uh, You might want to even read it before you get to my book that has just now officially been released called Messiah. Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. That also is $22 on the website. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, today we're dealing with the three most prominent issues in the news each one of us, each one of them revealing a serious problem with trust. Trust in the 
in our government, trust with regard to the use of funds, trust with regard to the FBI, and trust with regard to the international maneuverings with regard to Iran. This comes from Israel National News today. The U.S. National Security Council on Friday today released a statement following National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan's meeting with Minister of Defense Benny Gantz at the White House. Sullivan emphasized President Biden's unwavering commitment to Israel's security. You have got to be kidding me. Those are cheap words, friends. Unwavering security? The mere fact that you said it? Mr. Obama claimed that he had unwavering security, commitment to Israel's security. But you'd never know it by what he's, the rest of what he said or did. Everything he said or did undermined those words. They are mere political words designed to engender something that the speaker thinks is necessary for him to say at the moment. <clears throat> but the only thing that builds trust is to follow through on those words. So they discussed U.S. commitment to ensure Iran never obtains a nuclear weapon. Israeli Minister of Defense expressed his opposition in the room, however. Mr. Gantz. He expressed his opposition in the room in his own way. In other words, he tried to avoid a political in-your-face attack against Jake Sullivan in the White House. Basically what he said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Now why would he say that? Why would Israel and the majority of her leadership believe that Israel is on its own? That America is not who we want them to believe we are. That we cannot be trusted. Just look at the FBI. Can you trust anything that they're saying? Can you trust anything that the president is saying? No, you can't trust any of these things. So when it comes to the international scene, something as severe and as serious as the Iranian threat, not only to Israel, but the world. On what foundation do you have any, have you built any trust? Well, here's the article from Israel National News today. World leaving us on our own against Iran. The head of the, a group called Protectors of Israel, a movement of high-ranking officers, commanders, and IDF fighters, uh, research department, says Iran is inching closer to a nuclear outbreak while the world community would prefer to turn a blind eye to the threat in order to appease the Ayatollahs while profiting in the financial and other spheres, leaving Israel alone in the fight with Iran. 
You know what? This statement is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. You can put no confidence in the words of President Macron in France. You can put no confidence in the words of President Biden or Jake Sullivan or any of these folk who are trying to tell us, trying to tell Israel, oh, we've got your back. No, you don't. You don't even have the back of your own people, let alone Israel's back. According to the IAEA's <coughs> excuse me, assessment, Iran is about two weeks from having enough enriched uranium for a first nuclear weapon. Two weeks. It's difficult to attain enriched uranium at a 20% level, but from there to the 90% level, which is needed for producing nuclear weapons, the timeline is much shorter. And today, they have more advanced centrifuges than can enrich 10 times more than in past years, he says. What is worrying is that today, Iran is in a very advanced state from a nuclear point of view. It is only a matter of decision for them. And the world community are not demanding real concessions from it because Iran will not sign an agreement that would prevent it from acquiring nuclear weapons. Did you hear that? Iran will not sign an agreement that prevents it from acquiring nuclear weapons. So what are they doing? It's just a dance. Therefore, instead of destroying advanced centrifuges, they agreed to disassemble, disassemble them and put them aside while waiting for an opportunity to put them in motion again. Isn't this a joke? So these people, according to this group in Israel, they're knowingly, these international leaders are knowingly signing an agreement that will keep Iran as a nuclear threshold state even if it provides them a small tactical advantage. In a short time, by 2031, it will be a threshold state with a large nuclear arsenal, and Israel cannot live under such a threat. Do you agree? If you were in Israel, would you agree with that? I certainly would. This has been mushrooming now for years. The world has known that this was taking place. But it didn't matter. It was all about political maneuvering and money. It was not about reality. But Iran is about reality. But if you were to go back to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, you will find Iran specifically mentioned there in the warning of the Gog and Magog War. One of the two most serious wars mentioned in the Bible. One, the Gog and Magog War. The other, the Battle of Armageddon. Some believe they're the same. Others believe that they are different. We're not here to discuss that today. In Ezekiel chapter 38, God says that he's going to draw Gog and Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, put hooks in his jaws, and he's going to draw him, them, 
together with many other nations into a secret confederation and attack on Israel. So let's talk about who these nations are. One is called Persia. Persia is Iran. Iran was Persia until 1935. Then it became the so-called Republic of Iran. So Iran is Persia. Persia is Iran. And they will be one of the premier countries in alliance with Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, which is generally believed to be Rus, which is generally to be believed to be Russia. These things are aligning as we speak. Surely you know that Russia already is the one that provided the building of the Bushehr reactor in Iran as the, shall we say, the threshold development of nuclear power, not for destructive purposes, but for functioning purposes in the country. Now, Russia has committed to build even more reactors in Iran. Russia and Iran are bedfellows in many ways. Then in addition to that, we have Libya and Tagarma and Gomer and other nations, many other nations with them, that are going to be part of this secret confederation to attack Israel in the latter days. In the latter days. Now, we've been in the last days, friends, since Jesus rose again and the Holy Spirit was poured out there in Jerusalem. That began the last days. We are now in the latter days of the last days. We're not in the very final period, which is called the day of the Lord, which is a very short period of time in which God pours out his judgment on the people of disobedience. But we are in the latter days of the last days. And that's why all of these things are becoming ever more serious. Can Israel trust America? Can Israel trust France? Can Israel trust the EU? Can Israel trust NATO in entering into some sort of an agreement with Iran that supposedly is purported to prevent them from obtaining nuclear power and protect Israel that is under an existential burden from Iran through its own fire-breathing promises and threats? I don't think so. The problem is trust. These other powers cannot be trusted. They have too many other agendas. And when push comes to shove, Israel's on her own. Now let me put that in perspective. In uh, Numbers chapter 24, I believe it is, after several chapters in which the prophet Balaam goes through his mumbo-jumbo with the king of Moab about whether or not to curse Israel 
Yeah, curse Israel and bless Moab. He finally says, as a prophet, that he sees Israel standing alone and says these words, that Israel will never be reckoned among the nations. That doesn't mean Israel doesn't want to be reckoned among the nations. It means, from God's perspective, Israel was never to be recognized, reckoned among the nations. In other words, Israel was to stand alone in trusting God. But she refused. She refused, wanting a king like everybody else, even going so far as to declare before Pontius Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. So God sets up another country across the seas called America under a godly covenant, a Gentile nation primarily, that was under a very similar commitment. If you were to read John Winthrop's model of Christian charity, which you can find at the back of several of my books, including Renewing the Soul of America, you will find the foundational covenant, the viewpoint of the founders of this country, that we were to stand alone. Not basically to be reckoned among the nations, but to be a covenant people who would trust God only. Where do we stand now? Is that who we are, or have we become just like Israel? Is that the reason why God is judging Jew and Gentile now together? Because we have both failed to trust Him? That's the rhetorical question that lays on the table. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, $22 on our website. You can call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. If you have that, get a copy of Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, just hot on the market now. I trust it will be a blessing to you. God bless, be a blessing, and pray for the peace of You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.